beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Wildcard Conversations, my little podcast where I typically interview my wonderful guests and have conversations with them based on a random thought-provoking question that comes from a card I pull, hence the name Wildcard for those who are new here. Today is not going to be so much of a conversation because I don't have a guest, but I hope you feel like I'm speaking directly to you and we're having kind of a conversation, although it's a bit of a one-way conversation, or we can just flat out call it a monologue. Anyway, here I am. It's episode 15. I did my first solo episode for episode 10 for my mini anniversary of making it to double digits. I got really good feedback on that. People seemed to really like it and wanted to hear more from me, which of course is flattering. So I figured I would throw in a solo episode every five episodes, which if I stick to my schedule of every two weeks, about five times two, that's 10 weeks, make it 12 weeks, that's three months. So you get to hear from me about every three months. I feel like that's fair. And it's also a good time for a check-in, a life update from me. So let's start with that and I'll tell you what's been going on. I recorded the last solo episode pretty much right after moving down to Florida and being fully in the honeymoon phase of being in a new place, a new life. It was quite literally all sunrises and sunsets and palm trees and rainbows and dolphins and pickleball. One of the main differences between then and now is that then I had just started a new job and I wasn't fully integrated yet as a team member. And that lasted about two and a half weeks. And then I got just as stressed and overwhelmed as I was in my job in New York with a workload that is hard to keep up with, with a to-do list where if you cross off one thing of the top, you add five on the bottom. And I think that's the name of the game for a lot of people who work in private consulting firms. I work in civil engineering, but we're still private consultants. So it's just a demanding job. And the sunrises and the sunsets and the dolphins and the palm trees are still here and I'm still enjoying them. But I also need them more to balance out the stress that I'm experiencing at my job now that I'm fully integrated and my list of responsibilities and projects is growing. It's definitely been a little bit harder to stay balanced and stay grounded. I do want to say that I truly am grateful for my job, but I do have to actively remind myself of that sometimes. I put out a little video on Instagram a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, about that mindset shift of when you find yourself saying, I have to do this, I have to go to work, to shift it to gratitude, I get to go to work today, right? Like I'm healthy enough to go to work I have been lucky enough to get the type of education and have the type of skills needed to be in a job that pays reasonably well and a job, quite frankly, that I applied for. No one's putting a gun to my head, making me go to my engineering job every day, right? So there's a lot to be grateful for, and I am, and that's 
part of what keeps me grounded, it's to go back to gratitude always. When I find myself complaining a lot and getting bogged down by, well, this demanding job is taking away time from the things I'm passionate about, but I have to do it because I have to pay the bills. You kind of get in this spiral of negativity of I have to do this and I am trapped in the having to make money to exist in the materialistic world. And then you're in this state of lack versus a state of abundance. And to me, gratitude and abundance are very closely connected. So when I tap into gratitude, I can also tap into abundance. Here's another life update. I can't remember if this was already happening or in the works in the last solo episode. I don't think it was. But I know I've mentioned it on previous episodes and I've shared it on social media. I bought a house. So after living in New York City for almost 19 years where home ownership was very much out of reach for me. I am now in a place where renting a two-bedroom apartment or renting a two-bedroom house would be more expensive than buying one. So I ran my numbers, I stuck to my budget, I made some compromises in the area that I wanted to live in, but I found a house that checked all the boxes, had everything I wanted, had fantastic vibes walking in there. The seller felt like a kindred spirit. Not that that should matter, but it just felt good. And I'm super excited to build a nest, a home base to make it my own. That is all starting in a few days. There are carpets that need to be ripped out and flooring that needs to be put down and maybe some walls to be painted and mosquito screens to be replaced because God knows that these Florida mosquitoes love this sweet half German, half New York blood that is running through my veins. I always carry bug spray on me. I'm not afraid of much when I'm out and about in the world. I'm never afraid of crime or anything like that. But these mosquitoes, man, I am scared of them. I am such an animal lover. I will carry out almost any spider or gross looking bug or whatever that comes into my house with a glass jar and a piece of paper and send them off with good wishes. But with mosquitoes, it is just self-defense and survival of the fittest. So, so to all the mosquitoes I have killed, I am so sorry, but I saw no other way out. In short, life is still great. I still enjoy the palm trees and the sunrises and the sunsets and the dolphins. Oh my god, the dolphins and the manatees. I'm so grateful for these wildlife encounters and the cormorants and all the other birds. Love, 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 love it. So grateful for it. Don't regret my decision of moving down here. And at the same time, work got stressful, falling back into some of the same patterns that I dealt with when I was stressed with work in New York. So... Wherever you go, there you are. Yes, some of my shit has followed me and I'm working through it. And it feels easier to work through it here because it is easier for me to find my peace in the surrounding environment and kick myself out of vicious cycles and out of bad habits into better habits. But let's get into the actual meat of the episode. I am slightly more prepared this time than I was for solo episode one. And... 
When I thought about what I wanted to speak on during these solo episodes, I went back to, well, why did you start the podcast in the first place? And I started the podcast because, as corny as it sounds, I wanted to create value and contribute to the collective healing of the world. And I see that contribution in sharing my own life lessons, stories, knowledge, wisdom, and giving my guests a safe space to share their stories, their knowledge, their lessons learned, so that the listeners can then be exposed to that energy, that positivity, those lessons, and feel maybe less alone, or maybe have a quote from one of my conversations with my guests stuck in their head, or walk away with some food for thought, or some inspiration to keep going. And then it's this domino effect of, okay, one person listened to this podcast and took away something that contributed to their personal growth, healing, journey, or whatever you want to call it. So then they walk through the world more healed, more whole, more positive, and then maybe they pass it forward to another person, and then it becomes this network, this spider web of shared knowledge, positivity, journeys, connection, all the good woo-woo shit. That was and is the intention of the podcast. Then for the solo episode, I got triggered into a little bit of the old imposter syndrome. Well, Katya, what do you have to say that is so wise and so helpful to people? Who are you to share your quote-unquote wisdom on here and your knowledge or whatever like what do you know what makes you so qualified right to those thoughts that serve nobody I want to respond with one of my favorite quotes that often gets attributed to Nelson Mandela but it actually comes from Marion Williamson And I might have shared it on here before, but I will share it again and I will keep sharing it because I think it is so powerful. Okay, here it goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That shit inspires me every time I read it. It infuses me with energy. And I think it says what I was trying to say with this domino effect and spiderweb of connections and love and positivity in a much more eloquent way. We all need to shine our fucking light. And I think part of my light is that I have worked incredibly hard on myself to get from where I was five years ago, ten years ago, which was a codependent, passive-aggressive, people-pleaser, without boundaries, 
who engaged in relationship dynamics where I could put myself on a pedestal and say, see, I'm not the crazy one. I don't need therapy. They do. And look at me. I'm so patient. I'm so kind. I stick by their side. Look at me. I'm such a fixer. I'm such a hero. And I now know that what that covered up was my own insecurity, my inability to love myself with my flaws. So it was easier for me to say, look at me, I'm so great, I'm so kind in these relationships with these difficult people. And to cover up the fact that I couldn't love myself without being told that I'm doing a good job. I couldn't love myself without telling somebody I love you and being told I love you back. And I have worked really, really hard to first accept those patterns in myself, that I struggle with people-pleasing, that I struggle with boundaries, that I struggle with being passive-aggressive, that I struggle with putting myself in situations where I can present myself as the kinder, quote-unquote, better person. So step one was becoming fully honest about that. Step two was accepting it. Step three was working through it and acknowledging that it's going to be a lifelong lesson, that I'm always going to have to work on these things, probably until the day I die. These same lessons are going to keep coming up. And then step four, there is not really a linear sequence, but here I am with step one, two, three, and four. Step four is getting to this place of observing myself when old patterns come up, but then not judging myself and not distracting from that and not engaging, but just observing, accepting, and trying to learn from it again and reach the next level of growth. So the work that I've put in over the last few years, I am really proud of, and I now feel an obligation to share the outcome of that work, which is my to date, most healed self. A year from now, I will look back and say you still had so much work to do. But for right now, I'm really proud of how far I've come. And I'm starting to get the return on investment, if you will. Some of that investment was literal money for therapy sessions, for coaching sessions, for my life coach training for solo travel, and then time, obviously. A lot of time was dedicated to books in the greater genre of self-help, spirituality, personal development, etc. And I most recently read a book called Lighter by Young Pueblo. On the cover, it says, let go of the past, connect with the present, expand the future. Young Pueblo is the pen name of the writer Diego Perez, and it means young people. And it says here on his book that the name is meant to convey that humanity is entering an era of remarkable growth and healing when many will expand their self-awareness and release old burdens. You see why I resonate with this guy? Sound familiar, right? So he's definitely been an influence. I first came across his work on Instagram, to me, he was an Instagram poet, and I feel like there was definitely a time where that was really, really big on Instagram, little writings, little poetry, inspirational quotes, and so on. 
I feel like that has been replaced by five-second reels because our attention span is not long enough to even process a five-line poem or inspirational quote anymore, as sad as that is. That's a whole other episode. The one on where I try to break up with my phone and regain my stolen focus. Stay tuned for that. I'll let you know how that goes. But young Pueblo's words have always deeply resonated with me. I have his other two books somewhere in a box that I will unpack once I get into my new house. But today I want to talk about lessons learned, highlights, things I took away from this beautiful book, Lighter, which again has the subtitle, Let Go of the Past, Connect with the Present, Expand the Future. When I read these books, I tend to bookmark them by just folding over a corner of the page because I don't personally like taking notes and underlining. It feels like I'm vandalizing the book. This is where I'm such a huge nerd. I really respect these books. And unless they're a textbook in school, I don't want to mess with them. I just kind of fold over the pages. And then it's a fun game of going back and seeing, do I still remember what passage on that page resonated with me. And that's exactly what I did with this book. I went back through all of my little bookmarks and looked at those pages and wrote down notes of what resonated with me. Okay, here we go. Number one, self-love can act as a gateway. When we deeply get to know ourselves and we see our own struggles and begin overcoming them, we then more easily express love for others as they go through difficult moments. So this whole concept of being able to accept our own darkness and then having more compassion for others and their darkness and be able to love them through it. Number two, letting go, which is a big theme in this book and which has been a big theme for me these past few years, right? Letting go of all the things that came with the divorce, letting go of friends who didn't want to be my friend anymore, etc., etc. So letting go is the profound acceptance of the present moment. I'm going to quote here directly. To be able to accept what is, we have to relinquish our hold on how we wish things to be. I'm going to say that again. To be able to accept what is, we have to release our hold on how we wish things to be. So letting go of how we wish things to be brings us into acceptance of the present moment. Letting go equals acceptance of the present moment. And that is not something that is natural to us. So we have to train our minds to do that over and over again. When we find ourselves holding on to how we wish things were or how we want them to be, we have to train ourselves to let go of that, to come into acceptance. Number three, only you have the power to save yourself. Therapists, teachers, coaches, etc. can guide you to reclaim your power, but they will not save you. You have to save yourself. Here comes another direct quote. A guide is not a savior. A guide is simply the person who can show you how to walk the right path. You still have to do the walking. I recently started coaching a new client and as part of the intro and the onboarding, I talked him through how I see coaching and how I would see my role coaching him. And I came up with this marathon analogy. And I said to him, look, you still have to run the marathon and I'm not going to tell you how to run it. I can make 
suggestions. I can point you to people who have completed a marathon before. I can give you resources and I can bring you water along the way and cheer you on and let you know when it feels like you might need a break. But ultimately, you're in charge of taking the breaks. You're in charge of the training. You're in charge of drinking the water. You're in charge of all of it. You're in charge of saving yourself. And everyone along the way, the friends, the coaches, the cheerleaders, they're just there to help you find the right path, to give you guidance on how to walk on the right path or in the marathon analogy, run on the right path, to support you, to keep you honest, to keep you hydrated, all that stuff. So lean on the support, but at the end of the day, you get yourself from start to finish. Number four. Other people don't cause us tension. We cause ourselves tension by wanting them, the other people, to be different. I mean, let that one sink in. Think of any time you have struggled with a partner or a friend and you're like, they're doing this to me and they're doing that to me. And I want to say here that this obviously does not take into account any situations of abuse, but this is your everyday playing the victim and being mad at other people for all the stuff they're doing to us to ruin our days. But that tension isn't their responsibility. That tension is your responsibility, is my responsibility. If somebody says something fucked up to me and triggers me and makes me angry, they are not actually causing the tension. Me wanting them to be nicer to me, me wanting them to be different, to be kinder, that's what's causing me the tension. And so I guess the answer is that when you find yourself triggered by someone, when you feel like someone else is doing something to you, remind yourself that you still have a choice to respond to that person's words or actions. Number five, and this is a big one. This one has really been a mantra for me, something I always come back to when I'm experiencing difficult emotions. And that is simply, you don't have to become your emotion. You don't have to become your emotion. I will quote here, we can honor the fact that the emotion is there without fully becoming it. Instead of throwing more fire onto it, we focus on observing it and remind ourselves that this emotion will change eventually, as all things do. The old, this too shall pass, right? But to me, this concept of not becoming my emotion really stuck with me, right? When I'm heartbroken, instead of saying, I'm so heartbroken, I can say, I'm experiencing some heartbreak right now. My heart is hurting right now. I'm feeling some sadness move through me. I'm feeling some anxiety move through me. Instead of this like, I'm so anxious, I'm so sad, I'm so angry, you can reframe it and say, I'm experiencing some anxiety, I'm experiencing profound sadness, I feel this anger rising up in me. So you separate yourself from the emotion. Number six, we crave for our loved ones to align with us. Love is tarnished by a push to control them. This kind of goes back to wanting people to be different and being attached to that and wanting people to understand you and be kind to you and align with you. I think this is super relevant in this polarized world that we live in with all these political issues rising up and dividing families and breaking up friendships. 
love between people, family members, friends, romantic partners can be tarnished by that, by wanting other people to think the way you think. And real love really means supporting your loved one's freedom and supporting them in their freedom to think differently, to act differently, to want different things, etc. I quote, You crave for those close to you to be just like you, to see the world just like you, to think just like you. That's not real love. Real love embraces differences. Love helps you admit when you're wrong. It helps you understand that your loved ones are complex and that control will never bring them closer to us. Number seven, back to the letting go. Letting go means that you are not causing yourself extra tension and suffering. And again, we are not generally taught to do that. We're generally taught to point fingers and to wanting to control others and to want others to align with us. That is our natural human ego, smaller self. So it takes effort and practice to learn the tools, to learn how to use the tools to let go, let go of other people, let go of opinions, etc. And whatever tools you learn to use, whatever path you embark on may not be the best for someone else and vice versa. So even if two people use the same general practice, like meditation, like reading self-help books, like going to therapy, their paths may still look very, very different. So again, embracing the differences, respecting people's freedom. But the point also is that there are so many tools so easily accessible in today's world that there's really no excuse to not explore a path of healing and the path of letting go. There's this abundance of healing techniques, of free resources, and that is what Young Pueblo is hinting at with us entering this new era of humanity, this new era where everyone has the resources to grow and heal and expand self-awareness and release and let go. Number eight, when we scale up the healing of the individual and multiply it by millions, we do get to the cultural shift. We do get to the collective healing. Maybe we do get to world peace eventually. I don't know. But that's that domino effect that I'm talking about. And that's the big motivation behind this podcast for me and behind putting myself out there as a coach, as a resource to help others. Again, I heal, you heal, I help one person, you help one person, they each help one person, and boom, 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 boom. It becomes a better world. Number nine. Surround yourself with other people who are also on a healing journey. Give people the chance to help and support you. Say yes to the kindness and support they offer you. Ask for help. Reach out to others that are swinging on the same frequency as you. I'll give you an example from my own life. When I moved down here, a friend told me, hey, I know this awesome person who lives in the same city that you're moving to. Her name is Jamie. If you've listened to every episode, you know how I'm talking about Jamie, who was on a couple of episodes ago. And so I have reached out to Jamie since the podcast and said, hey, can we go on another sunrise walk? Because I want to surround myself with people like that. And I like to think that it was a mutually beneficial meetup where we both got to process stuff and bounce ideas off of each other. And so when we reach out to others and let others help and let others fill our cup and let others inspire us, we also let go of that egocentric idea that we can handle everything on our own. So we create this balance of giving and receiving within our community. Isn't that a beautiful thing? 
Number 10, we have to be open to our identity changing as we grow and heal because it might feel uncomfortable or odd to have outgrown our old life. And there might be some grief around who we used to be and how life seemingly was easier because if you were always operating in people-pleasing, for example, or being passive-aggressive, that is arguably the easier path to walk than setting boundaries and having the hard conversations and putting yourself in situations where you might piss people off or where expressing your truth may lead to losing people who are no longer in alignment with you. So it's uncomfortable, it's stepping into the unknown, and so just a reminder that there's no growth without being willing to explore the unknown. I think identity is a tricky thing. If you have too much of it, you you get caught up and you're not flexible and you're not open, but you do need it to walk through this world with a frame of reference on how you want to show up in the world and, and who you want to be in this world. But again, too much identity, too many labels can make you too rigid and adverse to change and then probably block you from your healing. I'm definitely guilty of having said to people I love as part of birthday messages and stuff like that, my message has been, don't ever change who you are. And what that really says is, don't change your moral compass. Don't let go of the core positive values that guide you as you show up in this world. Don't change the way you love. Don't change the way you help others. But ever since I have learned that change is required for growth, duh, I don't say that to people anymore. I don't say, please don't ever change. No, please fucking do change. Please do. I implore everyone to change. But keep your identity. Keep that identity of how you want to show up in the world. And hopefully that's a good person. Number 11. By the way, I have no idea how many there are. I am numbering them as I go along. But here we are, number 11. Connecting with yourself will transform your friendships. Connecting with yourself will transform your friendships. And what that means is connecting with your true self, with your authentic self. That will lead to superficial connections being left behind. And that's not to be rude or mean, But it's just to realize that we have finite time, so we invest our energy into cultivating those meaningful relationships and friendships and giving less energy into those superficial connections that are built on gossip or drinking or whatever, right? You get the drift. And generally, this introspection, this getting to know yourself better, will lead to more compassion. And here I will quote from the book, but he's quoting Peter Chodron. That's how I would pronounce it. I have no idea. But that is how the European in me will pronounce it. Anyway, here comes the quote. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness, we can be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. It goes back to if you embrace your own shit and your own darkness, you'll have an easier time loving others through their dark times and their difficult times. Number 12 is another direct quote from Young Pueblo. The task of our generation, the healing generation, is figuring out how we can scale up interpersonal compassion and scale it up to the structural level. 
right? So it goes back to going from these individual shifts, the individual healing, to really making that cultural shift based on this concept that putting out love into the universe motivates the creation of more love. And we need to be bold and fearless with our love to create systems that are guided by harmony and love and not guided by fear and differences and profit. And in that context, he quotes the American meditation teacher Joseph Goldstein, On the deepest level, problems such as war and starvation are not solved by economics and politics alone. Their source is prejudice and fear in the human heart, and their solution also lies in the human heart. It's all about putting out more love into the universe, I'm telling you. So again, this concept that the individual healing and the global change have to kind of move together as one. So by decreasing the amount of hurt and trauma that people hold, peace will just become more prevalent in the world. And yes, we face some really daunting challenges here. Patriarchy, racism, war, harm to the planet, income gaps, poverty, all that shit. But it is also countered by the largest healing movement in human history. When you become overwhelmed by, I can't solve this, what is my little contribution doing? this feeling of powerlessness, the one thing you can do is to always focus on your own self-reflection and on the healing of your mind and on stepping into courage and creativity and love. And here's another quote, and this one I believe comes from Lao Tzu. If you want to awaken all of humanity, then awaken yourself. If you want to eliminate the suffering in the world, then eliminate all that is dark and negative in yourself. Truly, the greatest gift you have to give is that of your own self-transformation. I just love how succinct these quotes are. And that's why these people are famous writers and speakers and thinkers, because they are able to eloquently put so much truth into such few words. Key takeaway number 13. You don't need to be fully healed to be of service to the world. You can coach people when you still need the coaching. You can be a therapist when you still need therapy yourself. You can show up as a loving partner when you still have wounds from your past relationship. You don't need to be fully healed. Every little bit counts. Every little bit of tension that you are able to let go of enables you to then show up with more calmness and with more love. Here's another quote from the book. Humanity and world are begging for change. We need to take responsibility for the current situation and lead with our growing maturity. And a definition of maturity that Young Pueblo offers is as follows. Maturity is being able to maintain your energy the way you want it to be. When someone close to you is trying to drag you into their storm, you hear them, you offer support, but at the same time you let their tension be theirs and you let your peace be yours. And the last quote here, healing is the realm of heroes, and every tough situation will necessarily end in a victory. So if you're out there healing yourself, training yourself to let go, training yourself to maintain your energy, walking through the world with the intention of putting love out there and contributing to the world's healing. Keep fucking going. The world needs you. The world needs you to shine your light. Not all heroes wear capes, but all heroes engage in deep self-reflection and listen to this podcast. (laughs) 
On that note, thank you so much for tuning in today, for hanging in there with me. I hope you enjoyed my life update and my key takeaways from this wonderful book. Let me know out there on the socials if you enjoyed this kind of format. I have so many more books where I would love to do some sort of reader's digest and being a conduit for sharing the lessons. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you followed the podcast on Spotify or subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts and leave five stars everywhere and you can leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it and follow the podcast account at Wildcard Conversations on Instagram to never miss an episode and share it with your friends there and all the good things. Thanks again for being here and please keep shining your fucking light. The world needs you.